Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined this season by... This is Jordan here. Jordan, are you on Twitter? You know what? I am on Twitter. I'm Jordan Eggleston on Twitter, at JWEggleston7. I had to change it up a little bit because my wife told me I'm too predictable in my intro, and it sounds robotic the whole time, so I know she'll listen to this part of it because she always listens to the beginning. She said... How far she gets in, a little different. Okay. So I changed it up a little bit because you said that. Well, now you're going to screw me up, but I'm going to stick with what I always say. <laughs> and I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Jordan, I joke offline. I'm sort of like Anchorman, where if you put it in front of me, I'm going to read it. I, I need to have my sheet. I I need a bookend. You know, it needs to start the same and end the same for me. <laughs> Otherwise, I get all weird and and awkward. And obviously, the- I'm really surprised you didn't end that with "I'm Jeffrey the Green." <laughs> <laughs> if you put a question mark on the end of it, it could happen. <laughs> Man, it feels like uh, it feels like I just talked to you or something. Yeah, it wasn't Maybe. that long ago, was it? No, it was, it no, it was a pretty not. Short turnaround here. It was what 48 hours ago, right? Wasn't it Tuesday? It's Thursday now. Yeah, I think that's about right. Probably I'm still not that, given the actual time of day, the so. actual time of day. My I'm still not set yet, you know, like until I'm fully like full weekend, normal, you know, Monday through Friday week, my, my brain and, you know, internal clock, all those things still not right there. But did, uh, did the kiddos go back to school for you? Yet? No, I, I got, we still got two more today and yet or yesterday oh. today and tomorrow. Oh. She goes back uh, Monday, but they Yikes. still go to daycare. So Okay. A bit of a window, but it's not the same. Yeah, we got, you know, second grader and pre-K, same school. The, the, okay, I grew up on a farm, all right? I don't know how many people know that. Maybe some people would be surprised. I don't know. But uh, for those people that grew up on a farm and grew up specifically on a hog farm, they would know that when you sort hogs and uh, some of the hogs are, are, they're going to market, okay? And they ain't coming back. Shall we say? I don't know if people know, but that's where bacon and pork chops come from, and, and footballs, I believe. I, I don't know if that's true anymore. They, it's probably synthetic leather now. I'm I'm not real sure. Yeah, but, uh, maybe a little archaic, but the the point still stands. The point still stands, and there's always one hog that was a little bit smarter than the rest, and or sow. He or she knew. I go up that shoot. I ain't coming back, and would put up one hell of a fight. That that was my eight year old taking him to school just this morning. He, he he was already stressing out about it. Had nightmares last night, the night before, um, but was finally able to get him out the door, coaxing, pulling, prodding, which is kind of like what you do with hog. And then, anyways, into my truck, which you know was also a different way to transport. And I'd like to think school is a little bit better than him than uh, you know. But man, I am happy to have the two days back already, like very happy. A Thursday, a Friday, we get the weekend, then then we'll throw the full week at them next week. Anyways, anybody with kids really understands it doesn't matter how regimented you are with your kids. They need some form of schedule. It doesn't matter how strict you are with it. Something, any kind of schedule. Kids just have to have it. I can't imagine raising a kid without one. That that, that sounds like. Oh, a... I know. I know some people who they they don't like kids don't have a bedtime. It's just whatever. I'm like, oh hell no. <laughs> yeah, I I like to think those 
people are part of our issue down the road <laughs> when they grow up and be adults, or I guess oh. the, I'll put I'll put adults in parentheses right there. Um, or quotation marks, I meant to say. All right, so here we go. We have got obviously one game to break down. We did have we've got some big TP happenings. Um, when Jordan and I discussed when we were going to record this pod, I wanted to record it maybe as late as we could on on Friday because I figured there would be some things that popped. So as we record this, it is uh, seven o'clock in the PM Central Standard Time right now so probably get this out either tonight or first thing friday morning uh that's when we are recording this podcast podcast just an fyi uh so things could change things could you know maneuver here pretty quick as it seems like it's going to happen but we do have a couple couple big happenings right here so first one i'm just kind of going as these came out former ohio state wide receiver julian fleming not going far staying well what typically uh, we used to be in division now it's just in conference and he is going to penn state to pay for James Franklin. What do you think about that? I think every single Penn State fan, when that news broke, took a nice sigh of relief. Like, oh, thank you. A weapon for the outside. Because, I mean, what that's been the number one critique of all Penn State fans is we have no deep threat. We have no wide receivers. I mean, Julian Plum is a five-star wide receiver for a reason. Good talent, great player. I think that's a great piece to what is already going to be a good offense next year. This can help put them back over that top level threshold. I mean, I've on record as saying, I think 24 was their year. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. This is a piece that definitely helps bolster that, that team for next year. If I'm a Penn state fan, I am excited about this uh, uh, acquisition. I will say, and it was, it's one of those things as a, as a fan, you hear that it's going to happen, but then days go by and there's no news. So you start, you know, you getting self-conscious with this thing. So, and I saw Penn state fans, some of our best follows, you know, throwing out there what they would like to see come their way in a portal. I can't remember who put it out there. I'm sorry, I'm not giving you uh, proper credit, but I he listed just wide receiver five times. You know, like this is what we need. So he ain't five wide receivers, but he's a five star wide receiver. So good on Penn State. Right hey, there's there. there's a history of five star wide receivers leaving Ohio State and having pretty good careers. I'm looking at you, Jamison Williams. So maybe you. I mean, Julian Fleming was on the field. He played. It's just one of those things where he doesn't get the touches at Ohio State because there's just so many of them horses around. So, that, and that's a great scenario. Being the guy helps. Yep, and that's a great uh, point. Is that some of these guys do do go somewhere else and are incredible somewhere else? I mean, we're talking about that going from Ohio State to Bama. You know, he was instantly the man at at mm-hmm. Alabama. So, yep. I, I just and what I'm getting at is. I'm always just a little hesitant, like, okay, but why didn't, you know, this player play that much or dominate at the school he was at? If he was a quote unquote five star, wouldn't we see that right from the get go? But sometimes, you know, there's extra, there's, there's other uh, forces at play though. So we'll see how Julian Fleming does at Penn state. Another one, Purdue edge, Nick Scourton going back home and he's going to Texas A&M. So not not news good for the Big Ten unless you were fearful that Nick Scourton was going to leave Purdue and stay in the Big Ten. But as our guy Big Time Boiler pointed out, grew up, it sounds like, basically in the shadows of the 12th man uh, there in Texas A&M. Um, and one would assume, this is always the reason given, but one would assume he picked up a, a bag of cash going to Texas A&M. Well, I mean, if you look at Texas A&M's class, all you know the the class that the number the best class ever signed when it was 
the most obvious thing ever that they paid all these defensive linemen yep. I mean, where they had like nine of them. I think seven of them have left the program now. So there, there's a void down there and a coaching change, so they need a body, and this kid is talented. I mean, if you watch that Purdue defense, he was one of the few that every single time was wreaking havoc on every play. So as a Big Ten opponent of Purdue, happy to see him go. Uh, Purdue fans probably not very happy. That is a that's, a that's a talented player. So Probably one of the best compliments you can give a player and, and their fan base is I'm glad to see him go. Yep. I will say. I agree. Jerry very much still out that Nick Scourton made the right move. Um, Walters has proven that he can coordinate a defense yep. and get his stars to show out. I'm sure Purdue found the guy some money. I don't know. I'm just saying, you know, like if he goes and gets lost at Texas A&M and winds up being a six round draft pick where he could have been a second round draft pick. If he stayed at Purdue, the money you make, you know, in the NIL to, you know, I'm kind of throwing, you know, like, possibilities out there but i don't know i you know you would hope this you know, is something it's, that... it depends on what you're valuing are you valuing the long-term games or the, or the short-term fame i mean oh that's a good one right there you just make that up on the spot there i did Mark. actually yeah. that's pretty good all right put it on the t-shirt buddy all right another one <laughs> wisconsin staying on the five-star theme former five-star offensive lineman from wisconsin nolan rucci is in the transfer portal this would be one of those where certainly seemed there was talent but they know how to play guys at Wisconsin and develop. I know the offensive line's been in flocks. They haven't had the same offensive line coach. I get that. Uh, something to do with his brother and tight end and not being on the team anymore. Um, and then I believe, I'm, I'm going to bu- butcher the name, was it Nelson, who they thought was going to go pro at tackle, is actually coming back for either a senior year or super senior year. So now Rucci is not necessarily starter, and he's getting antsy, so into the portal he goes. It's the day and age of college football. I mean... That's what you're in anymore. If you if you pay your quote unquote pay your dues for a year or two and think that you should be the guy next year and it doesn't look like that, well, see ya. Yeah, kind of the way we're at right now. I'm always torn because with I'm we are we have well established that we're both old school with that. Yet if if you if you do transfer to a another good program and you play, I don't know, it's the right call because like there's no greater sport personally to play than football on the other side there is no worse sport to only practice than football that's a very good point (laughs) if you are only practicing it sucks spoken from a guy that did a shitload of practicing without much playing with his time at iowa (laughs) this one just broke kansas state former kansas state quarterback will howard to the ohio state buckeyes so kind of a bad kept secret uh we had kind of heard about it in our uh Big chat group for a while, and there it is. I, you know, I've watched some Will Howard. It, it to me, it seems like more of an RPO. If I could, if that's you know the terminology we use now, RPO running style quarterback going to Ohio State is that what Day really wants to do? I don't know. I it's it's an interesting it's, little situation. I mean, since the minute I heard that he was a guy that that Ryan Day wanted to bring in, I. I had a lot of questions. I'm like, it, just, it doesn't, I'm with you. It doesn't seem like the type of guy that Ryan Day has traditionally gone after. So it, it's interesting. Does it signal a change in potential philosophy with what he wants to do and incorporate more of the quarterback run game because it's such a big part of college football? Or does he see something in Will Howard that he thinks can fit what he wants? I mean, you have to trust Ryan Day. He has 
had good success with quarterbacks. I mean, who are we to tell him that this is a terrible decision? It's interesting, though, because interesting. the tape that I, I've watched a lot of them, too. I've watched a lot of Big 12 football because I watch a lot of football, just period. And he's 100% not the type of guy that Ohio State generally has. But looking at social media, a lot of Ohio State fan base is excited about it. They think it's a good move. So we'll most, fan, most fan bases are going to be excited about the new guy. I, I would say this. As far as just throwing the ball, I think he's pretty comparable to McCord, but he's better with his feet. So it's an upgrade. Oh, I would right agree there. there, definitely. Sure. And and if Ryan Day, who we think is a quarterback maestro, could put him in a better spot, maybe he looks better, and that's what we get. So we, we can maybe talk more on that as we gather from more in- information. We do some of the off-season stuff, but that is definitely fun to talk about. You mentioned uh, mobile quarterbacks. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, but... I have wanted Iowa to acquire a mobile quarterback for quite some time. I may, may have heard that a few times this year. Only maybe, a few. Maybe as long as either one of my aforementioned kids have been on the planet. I've been asking for a mobile quarterback. I don't know. Somewhere around there. Uh, Iowa is bringing in former five stars. The theme here, apparently, on this podcast. Former five-star quarterback Ty Thompson, who is with Oregon, is coming in this weekend to Iowa City. Yes, that's right. The Iowa Hawkeyes and the Iowa Hawkeyes offense is bringing in a five-star former five-star quarterback. Has not been able to see the field too much at Oregon. Uh, so, but I, just by looking at him, he looks more slender and mobile than the guy that we've had play quarterback for the last eight games or so. So that at least is a, a step in the right direction. I would say substantially more slender. No <laughs> shots fired, but you know, and the guy yeah. there, the little as a bigger. Fellow myself, I think I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> Not exactly the you know the fleetest no. of foot, but it's interesting because you know Ty Thompson never did get his shot at Oregon, and then they bring in Dylan Gabriel and Dante Moore this year in the transfer portal. So that essentially tells him, well, we got a guy for this year, and we just took another guy that we think is the future. So there's no room for you, kind of like we just talked about at Wisconsin. Oh. Oh. So he's on to try to find a spot to play. Don't know that you can blame the kid. No, nope. you know, if you're going to recruit over my spot, I'm going to go look elsewhere. Yeah, and I, and I will say, we never know what a player has been told by the coaches and then what the coaches wind up doing. And if a and I'm, I'm not accusing the Oregon staff of that. I want to be clear here. We might start picking up Oregon and Washington, you know, listeners here pretty soon. But it's not beyond coaches to say one thing and do another. Okay, oh, that's no. that's uh, that's not just a... Oh, yeah, 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 wait yeah. a minute here. You're telling me that these coaches mm, aren't the sometimes. most ethical guys in the world? What? Sometimes. No. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes they talk a lot. Uh, anyways, oh. if that's the case, and, you know, he thought, it, or his impression was that things were going to advance a little bit more, and then he feels like it's pulled away, sometimes that's what you see. But as we said, it's a step in the right direction for Iowa I think hopefully a very much faster step in the right direction uh, for this position. So people say, wow, wait, how can a five-star, former five-star quarterback go to Iowa? They don't even have an offensive coordinator in place. Still nothing official, but uh, me thinks internally the Iowa coaching staff and KF know who that is. And me thinks it's the guy that's been rumored to be the offensive coordinator, I'm referring to Paul Christ. Do I know that for sure? Can't share any possible, you know, positive things right now because it hasn't been. I don't know it. It hasn't been put out there. Uh, but 
one would think uh, if you're bringing in a quarterback of that stature and and starting to make moves like that, you have you have a good story to tell, shall we say, of for for the guys coming in. And I that would be my inference on that. Boy, I, okay, you had me. The, everything you said, you had me. The, the whole thing, I get it, makes sense. But then you said that Paul Chris was going to tell me a story, and I immediately fell asleep. <laughs> uh, we don't we don't need him to run press conferences anymore we just okay. need him to design football plays uh if all jokes that, aside if yeah. it is paul chris if personally it paul think chris. It's a, i think it's a great hire i think it fits i said it to begin with i think that's the kind of guy that fits exactly what iowa is so if that ends up being the pick i, I think it's good i think that's a i mean he's a good mind he's a quarterback guy i think it works and we and and jordan said so several times if if he is the offensive coordinator, we hey, I don't do know not know yet if he is the <laughs> offensive coordinator. Once we officially know, there could be some more little fun little tidbits that I can share with our audience on some of the things I have heard about this offensive coordinator search. It's there's there's always a story, right? You just you just got to look for it. Um, and then that sounds good news for the most part for Iowa fans. Bad news, not unexpected bad, bad news. Bad, I bad good, bad, bad good. good, bad good. Cooper DeGene is off to the NFL. I'm not 100% sure if he will be a first-round draft pick. I, I do not know that for sure. The NFL, I mean, that folks, there's only 32 guys that are selected in the first round. I don't you know if people be, know that. There's only 32 spots in the round. In fact, Sometimes there's been less. less. There's been less. So yeah. if he happens to be 40th, you know, that's still very, very high up. You're still going to get a good paycheck. Uh, Sam Laporta did not go in the first round last year. He seems to be enjoying life right now. So what I'm saying is that's not necessarily the end all beat all, but I, I think there was a little bit of misplaced optimism out of Hawkeye land thinking that, you know, stuff like that would keep him around in Iowa city. I think he was tempted, but in the end probably made the right business decision, go collect that check into the next level to help cushion the blow the day before Iowa quarterback Jamari Harris is coming back, maybe a name that a lot of people don't know, but starting quarterback for for Iowa. Uh, so that is interesting. And then we're we're still waiting for Sebastian Castro. That would be the name that Iowa fans are are waiting on right here. I if I had to take a guess, I would I I think he'll make it back. I think he'll come back one more year. The good news about Cooper DeGene going to the NFL is, and you may not want to talk to him, but somebody needs to get a hold of Will Compton. And the NFL team now has <laughs> a good DB to go because you know yep. those of you that don't know what we're talking about, Rashard yep. Mendenhall's little thing on Twitter. Oh uh, yeah, we Boy. were we were struggling. Yeah, the secondary we got a good one now. You know that's one we got to get one more. The, maybe a couple would be nice. Yep, the cornerback is a glaring position for for Team one. White Boy. But I tell you what, here's the other position: defensive tackle, man, boy. Not not much not much there for the white guys. We're we're gonna be we're, a little we're gonna play middle. we're gonna play a lot of ends. We're a lot gonna, of NASCAR. We're, we're gonna play we're a lot. We're gonna of... get we're, we're gonna get after the quarterback. Today's game's all about passing. And yeah, who runs the ball? Still don't know if I like our chances, but hey, it's it's fun to talk about uh, amongst man. It's a great story, among, amongst amongst. Uh, uh, usually, it's in a safe environment when you feel like having that kind. Has to be yeah, that definitely. And, and you know the one thing I want to say is, I wish we. We as a country were in a spot where the original tweet by Richard Mendenhall, we could all just laugh at it and have some fun because, in all honesty, it it, it was it was funny. I think he meant it mostly as a joke. I I don't 
No, you got to be careful with putting that stuff out there. But but there, you know, I'm just I, I was surprised how many people did talk about it. I mean, I thought for, for sure and, when it when it initially happened, I'm like, oh Jesus, here we go. This is just going to get blown out of proportion. Is blah blah blah. Well, it did. And some people some people did that, but I was surprised at the amount of people that like Will Compton had fun with it and said, you know what, let's let's freaking do this. Let's have some these fun. Teams up. It yeah. was fun. It's it is a fun exercise. I, I lost zero minutes of sleep. On, on that tweet. I, I can assure you of that. I, I wish that would be the thing during the week or day that would bother me the most, uh, but I typically have other things on my plate. So I think that kind of is all of the what I have here for the for the big happenings and tidbits. The last thing I wanted to add on here is uh, shout out to Pick 6 Previews. They're always on top of it. And our guy, Brett Serancia, and he, uh, friend of the pod, and uh, he put out a tweet uh, that just essentially broke down the Power 5 conferences uh, records. You'll find this a lot, folks. It's really, really close. The Pac-12, I mean, this is insane. The last year together of the Pac-12. Sad. I don't like to see it. Uh, uh, how about you? Are, are you happy that the Pac-12 is is dying a unceremonious death here? No, I'm a football traditionalist. I love the five breakups that we have. It's perfect, in my opinion. So, unfortunately, it is what it is, though, and I think I like it. I think I like the fact that on its last run here, the Pac-12 is 5-3. and three. It is it, Now, you'll see it's very close, right, for how the record is, but 5-3, and three, obviously, Washington in the college football playoffs. So, good on you, Pac-12. We all knew you looked better towards the end of last year and this year, and it obviously showed out in the bowl games. The next team up is in a three-way tie. The Big Ten at five and four, the SEC at five and four, and the Big Twelve at five and four. Now I'm old enough to remember Jordan that when the bowl records were close for these conferences, the only thing that really mattered is who won the college football playoff game. So I would assume that means the Big Ten, because of Jordan's Michigan Wolverines, really takes over the mantle for second place and. We'll see if it's enough to be the champion of all these conferences, because ironically, that would put the Pac-12 at five and four and the Big Ten at six and four if this goes down. So a couple more things to pay attention for, for what we're playing for. Yeah, not only is it a national championship, it's a conference bowl championship (laughs) on the line Monday night. As if anybody cares. By the way, the ACC is five and six, uh, which doesn't really help the whole florida state thing but anyways i don't want to get into that too much so there you go i think that gives us all the fun little stuff anything else you wanted to add globally before we get into the football game that we have to break down no i don't i don't think i have anything else but we could hear about i'd like to hear about some bourbon maybe the Eyes on Big Podcast, sponsored by the Amateur Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip, need, or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Of course, that brings us to the... Big Ten Game of... This game will take place on Monday, January 8th. It is the college football championship. What am I supposed to Is it college football championship? Like CFP championship? I always, you know, playoff championship. I don't, I don't know what, what I think it's technically it. the college football, football playoff championship. So I'm supposed to put playoff in there. I, I think so, but who really freaking word salad, it's, man. It's, it's a, a word championship salad. game. Yeah. 
Where is this being held? It's being held at NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas. This is where the Texans play. So, of course, when you have a team from the upper Midwest and the Northwest, where do you have them fly to play in Texas? It is the 14-0, number two ranked Washington Huskies versus the number one ranked 14-0 Michigan Wolverines. This is a 6.30 p.m. game on ESPN. Thank you very much, Disney. Hope you enjoy your time with the Big Ten. Line Wolverines by four and a hook over under 55.5. So Vegas is saying something like 30 to 26 Michigan. So all-time matchups. Wolverines do lead the series eight and five, including two in a row. The last time they played was actually in Ann Arbor in 2021, 31-10 Wolverine victory. Much different Washington team. Anybody remembers that was the Jimmy Lake-led Huskies. Um, and I think that was the only year of Jimmy Lake as head coach, and then Kalen DeBoer came in the following season. So team has really changed a lot in both philosophy and talent since that meeting. Yes, and and mostly the talent that we're talking about is uh, with quarterback Michael Penix and his coach, Galen DeBoer. Last time DeBoer and Penix were teamed up, though, and played Michigan, they won 38-21 to over the Wolverines. Now, that was in 2020. Can't write a book That's about the, this uh, one. Don't, don't even know yeah. what you're talking about. Yep, doesn't really count. And, and in all honesty, I'm not trying to uh, feed your Michigan fandom, uh, but I, it, that... That wasn't the Michigan, you know, team that essentially we've seen the last seven years. So I, I do think there is something to be said about that. Spe- speaking of Michigan fandom, I almost had a seamless transition there. If I if I could have done that a little bit better, I put a little poll out earlier today. Got over fifteen hundred votes so far. And what my question was is, who are you cheering for? And I politely asked Michigan, Ohio State, Washington, and Michigan State fans to not vote. And I as you and I were talking about before, I should have said, take the last choice and then, you know, see what the results are. So I, I didn't really word that all that great. But essentially what I'm trying to get at is if you are a neutral fan, who are you are you cheering for? In all honesty, I thought Michigan pulled better than I thought they were going to. Long story short, two-thirds of the people, that's how it broke down. Two-thirds of the people are going for the Washington Huskies, one-third is going for the Michigan Wolverines. What's, what's, your, what's your thoughts on that poll, Jordan? I am not surprised in the least bit. I mean, Michigan as a fan, a fan base has is not liked by a lot of the conference. And then you throw in all of the turmoil of the season and it just puts a sour taste in a lot more people's mouth. So I think the portion that you got votes for Michigan was probably some Michigan fans that didn't follow the rules and then some more traditional Big Ten fans who are rooting for an original Big Ten team versus a newcomer. Right. Probably about the end of that list. As a Michigan State fan pointed out on Twitter, you got to take 10% off Michigan because you, we know they're cheaters and they cheated and they voted on the poll. Anyways, I mean, this is your life, right? You know you're going to get those jokes pretty much uh, 24-7 when anything's put out there. Uh, as far as where I stand, I'm, I am neutral. I will say... This is what I like so much about this game. I'm so tired of two teams being in the game that I hate, you know, where there's two teams that I dislike or or I'm cheering so hard for the SEC team to get beat like last year. And then, of course, TCU just got their, you know, just got absolutely their asses roasted by Georgia. So don't have that this year. 
I, I like both of these teams. I've always kind of been, you know, like a admirer of Washington. It would be near the top of my list of of uh, venues that I would like to visit. I think Iowa plays out there somewhat sometime a little bit recently in the future, and I, I would like to check it out. Uh, Purple doesn't typically play with me, but there's something with the Washington uniforms that that I do like. So I don't feel I don't I there's I don't, I'm not going to be mad at either team winning, but if you put me in the spotlight, I I would say I would cheer for Michigan. I am eschewing 30 plus years of disliking Michigan people that I have crossed, you know, paths with. That's how much of an impression you've made on me, Jordan. You're that good of a guy. I'm willing to cheer for Michigan, even though I can almost guarantee I will regret that if Michigan wins and that's how it goes down. I feel, I feel extremely honored and accomplished that I could, I could swoop you swoop in and steal you yeah. away from all these naysayers out there. Cause Michigan, man, we're really not as bad as everybody says. You just, you just gotta give, you gotta weed out the vocal minority and find the logical you know fans. Cause they're out there. You know what? Um, I wish I I wish I knew this is where the conversation was going because I would have done a better job of writing down some of the Twitter followers that I've noticed in the past, you know, three, four months, essentially this season that are Michigan fans that are good, good peeps. And, and I appreciate them, you know, when they come in. I think overall Swanky's a good guy. You know, I, I think he mostly means, well, I don't see him picking too much fights. I mean, he certainly has his fun, by the way, if you're not following Swanky, Swanky Wolverine, right? That's what it is on Twitter. Swanky Wolverine. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's yeah. A great. Even if you hate Michigan, it's a great follow. Yep. So anyways, there are some out there. And if you consider yourself one of the good ones, by gosh, give me a follow on Twitter. Let's interact. Speaking of uh, the uniforms, I don't know, man. Um, very happy. Michigan's home team, right? Again, since they're the number one seed, correct? That's how that works. So happy yes. to see the Michigan kits. I am on record on how much I like the Michigan kits. I do like a, most of Washington's away kits. My guess is they're going to be predominantly white for their kit. I just don't know about the contrast between the deep blue and that purple. I'm going to have to see that on my screen to see how it contrasts each other. Yeah, it's it's interesting based, I mean, the dark blue that is Michigan and the purple, they're both, you know, they're a darker color. Mm -hmm. So it they it, they're gonna they're gonna kind of smear together a little bit. I think if Washington goes more of a gold pant, maybe it helps a little bit, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That. Then you yeah, got the maze pants with the gold pants. Oh yeah, boy. It, it's it's gonna be interesting, and I'm yeah. trying to actually look right now to see Michigan has not announced anything. Have to assume they're going with the same but they could go that we saw they could go big game uh, blues, is what you're saying. They could, but you just have to think after what happened in the Rose Bowl. I mean, whether or not coaches and players admit it, they're they're at least a little bit superstitious. Oh, of course they are. You have to think that they're going to stick with that theory, but something to keep. Have an eye not on. have not seen anything official yet, and it doesn't look like Washington has put anything out officially either. either but yeah. I will say, I don't know if this makes me weird. I would have been more upset if Michigan didn't wear their traditional uniforms in the Rose Bowl versus Alabama than I would be if they wear the big game blues on Monday night in, you know, what is not a bowl. It's just, it's, you know, it's the the two teams that have come out on top in the invitational. So does that make sense? I, I it, does, it wouldn't bother yeah. me as much if it's the big game blues. That Rose Bowl setting just, it, 
it deserved that classic Michigan uniform. So, and, and I think with the, with Alabama's classic that it was, I think we, we got everything we needed there. Now, as like I said, as a traditionalist, I want the I want the exact same setup. So, so now we get into the game, and here's something is that I started this off with when we were breaking down the Michigan Alabama game. So I'll break it down now. A gigantic part of the reason that I erroneously picked Alabama to beat Michigan is I needed to see it from Harbs and the crew, and it's going to get saving, okay? It's not a nothing burger, Jordan, that Harbaugh and your OC and your DC got the monkey off their back. I think you saw that with Harbaugh's post-game comments saying something to the effect of now we can tell people or they can tell people that we did it. Kind of a big deal as far as the storyline heading into this game. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I flat out said it, too. We deserved all the that we were getting about the bowl game resume because it was what it was. There was no shying away from it or hiding it. And I think a lot of people have talked about it that they felt Michigan outcoached Alabama in just about every aspect of that game. So that speaks to Sheryl Moore. That speaks to Jesse Minner. And at the end of the day, it goes to Harbaugh himself, too, because he is the CEO pulling the strings. He's not calling the plays, but he's still the guy that's that's stirring the drink. So, yeah, it, it, it's a testament to the whole coaching staff. Now that's a month prep. Now we're back to a normal yep, type one game week. week, one week, one week exact turnaround. So it's interesting, especially when you look at the extreme difference that what you're facing now, because you're looking at a much different test than what you face at Alabama. So it's an interesting turnaround. By the way, if if I might write my college football manifesto, which essentially would be my plan. That wasn't a shot on your former staffer, by the way. Oh, this, sure, sure. That's <laughs> where it wasn't. But when I, when the word came out of my mind and I saw your face, I, um, what I'm getting at is what would be my grand plan to quote-unquote fix college football, which not really fix it, just make it more streamlined and better. One of the things I would try to fix is this ridiculousness that between the championship, the conference championship games and the first round of the playoff, we get a whole month and then turn right around and seven to nine to 10 days later, we're playing the next game. Okay. I have less of an offense to that. The second part than I do the whole month in between for the first round, but that does play into this. It's, it's a thing. So we talked about Harbaugh monkey off the back, all that stuff. Now he's going against Kalen DeBoer. I tell you what, man, you see that record that they put up for Kalen DeBoer for where he's been a head coach. I mean, I don't know the exact number, but it's basically like one ten and 10. It's, it's something that ridiculous with his time at Washington division, well, you know, FCS NAIA and like, you know, people should point out, well, that's at the lower levels. Well, guess what? He's coaching at those lower levels with the same talent level as the teams he's playing. So having that record as a hedge coach head coach is incredible. This is a staff that's coming to play Michigan that is going to be ready to play. And, and the guys are going to, their, their players are going to be ready to go. Yeah. He's 104 and 11 <laughs> as a head coach. So it doesn't matter what level you're doing that. At. That's, that's winning at every level. That's proving it actually is more impressive that it's at different levels because it's proving no matter where you go, that what you're doing works. Right. 
what you're doing wins. So, I mean, yeah, the dude, and the dude is an offensive savant. So he is. is. It's incredible. Like you look back, I was thinking the other day, do you remember when Penix in Indiana lit Ohio state up like a Christmas tree? Ohio state won that game. Ohio state fans pulling their hair out. How can we allow this to happen to the lowly Indiana Hoosiers? Well, I tell you why it happened because of this coach and this quarterback. That's the difference that when you have a symbiotic relationship between a coach and, and talent, you know, most often you, you will see that bore out a quarterback. That's what you get. So and then, then shocker of all shockers, you put those two pieces together and throw a couple NFL wide receivers out there and look what happens. So the number one thing in, in for both teams is Washington's offense versus Michigan's defense. So as tradition, we're going to start on the other side first. This is what we do for these big games. This is where we're going to start. So we are going to start on the opposite side, quote unquote, uh, weakness of, of week versus week of team. We always want to you know make sure we understand this is this is in relative terms. But the Michigan offense versus the Washington defense. I got all kinds of thoughts, but I'm gonna let you start. Go and, and I'll just kind of add in after you steal probably two or three of the things I want to say. So, okay. yeah, I mean we we say we say quote weaker. It, it, let's be real; these two teams are undefeated in the national championship for a reason. All of these units are good. They're they're good, but this is obviously the sides of the ball where the struggles have been the most for these two teams. To me, I look at I'll take the Michigan side of it first. Obviously, being a Michigan fan, a lot of the things that I said about Alabama, I'm going to say again in this game. JJ McCarthy, just don't do the stupid things. Yeah, you play the game that you played against Alabama, where you make the passes that are there, extend plays with your legs. That's huge. The one huge difference in this in this versus the Alabama game to me and that's the thing I'll be watching the most when Michigan is on offense is Washington's defense is by all season has been an extremely like to the 10,000th degree bend don't break defense we'll give you yards and we're going to tighten up in the red zone that's like their whole season has been that way and that's why they've played a lot of close games Mm -hmm. because it shortens games that way because of that so Michigan and I think that honestly plays into their offense a little bit because they want to run the ball. They're okay with taking the little plays, but it comes down to winning in the red zone. So Michigan has to win in the red zone, and that's where Blake Corm, J.J. McCarthy, the legs of those two, and making making some creative plays, but we don't need Philly specials like TCU game last year. We don't mm-hmm. need that kind of stuff, but being creative like the motions that we saw against Alabama. Eye candy, stuff like that, just to get the most – flowing where you want it to go but you got to win in the red zone if you're on michigan's in the offense because washington's gonna let you get there they've they've done it the whole time they're they're not gonna let you hit those home runs they'll let you get the red zone you got to win there texas wasn't able to win in the red zone enough michigan has got to win inside of 20 as excellent points uh to try to give you stats i was gonna do at the beginning and i forgot michigan is 45th in the country at yards per play washington is 68th in yards per play allowed. So 68th would be essentially the definition of average. However, Michigan 36 in the country or uh, 36 points per game. That's 14th in the country scoring. Whereas Washington is 53rd in the country for points allowed at 24. So when you compare these two, Michigan's offense compares 
favorably in the eyes of a Wolverine fan to Washington's defense. The red zone thing you brought up was an excellent point. Kudos to you. I I did deep dive, quick did dives on on Washington. They're fun clips to watch. I'll, I'll tell you that much right now. Both both sides of the ball. They they play fun fun games. Okay. Here, here's the deal. Washington, the Huskies, they have to commit to guys being in the box. I, I have looked at three, four different games. I I, I don't want to call Washington's front seven smallish. I think they're more athletic than they are brute. Sometimes that slashes and causes offensive lines like like bigger offensive lines like Michigan some issues. Is that the game plan? Constant slanting to try to get it that way where you guess correctly and get Michigan behind the chains. Maybe that is the case. Maybe it's the case that Blake Corum has a big night on Monday night. That's what I think, okay? I, I think Michigan is going to be able to run the ball. If they can't, that's because I believe Washington is going to be committing guys in the box, and then that's where Colton Loveland and and uh, 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 Roman Wilson – have got to explode. JJ, just take the play. Make the throw because I believe it's going to be there. I'm even going to give you one silly mistake that that you seem hell-bent on making, and, and it'll be fine. Between, you know, or before and after that mistake, make the makeable plays. Michigan will move the ball. I wonder if Colton Loveland will be the the chain mover more than any anything. That's what I'm seeing from what Washington wants to do on defense. I'll be interested to see that because what Michigan did a lot of things. So obviously I've watched the Michigan Alabama game too many times just because I, I think <laughs> it's fun. It, well if well it's fun, yes, but it also there were a lot of t- tendency breaking things that the offense did that there was the reason they had success. Michigan all year has been super deep into 12 personnel, even 13 personnel at times. They ran a lot of single tight end sets in that game, and it threw Alabama off. They weren't ready for three wide receivers and only one tight end. So I'll be interested to see if they go more to the 12 personnel because that favors the running game. And if they do, it could be Colston Loveland, but I think A.J. Barner might be a bigger piece because, A, he's a better blocker, and he's not the athlete that Colston Loveland is, but he's a good pass catcher as well. So if they're running more 12 personnel, that'll be the interesting piece because Colston Loveland's going to be a key factor because everybody knows how good he is. So do they try to scheme him out? And that leaves Barner as a potential weapon in that middle and those seam routes areas where Loveland has also played. Well, whether they got one tight end and a fullback or two tight ends and one running back, the ball's going to Blake Corum. That that is what I think I'm going to see. Has to. I, I Has would to. even say one of uh, a little bit of nitpicking I would do is Corum didn't get the chance to take over that game versus Alabama enough. I believe you will see Blake Corum get copious amounts of chances to take this game over. Bucky Irving, first time Oregon played Washington, 124 yards. He was ready to run. Man, there was spaces to go. And the other thing that Oregon didn't do in the first game that they did do in the second game, which was the Pac-12 championship, was uh, Bo Nix. Only 14 yards rushing in the first game. He had almost 70 yards, 69, giggle, in the Pac-12 championship. I've said it all year. 
in these big games, JJ take off running. Don't know what you're saving JJ's legs for at this point, unless he's still not healthy with that high ankle sprain, but shoot him up with whatever you need and let him run. I will say it again. First play from the game. If you feel like Washington is crashing down, let JJ keep it and run and set the tone that we're willing to run our quarterback. That's what I would do if I'm Sharon Moore. I wouldn't I be surprised if we see a hard play action pass first, just to kind of just okay. to kind of throw them off their game. I like that. I think the better way to set the tone is we can move the ball on the ground and let's see if you can do something about it. That's what I think we will see from from Sharon Moore. So I, well, I wanna... something something else that has been pointed out by some other Michigan people that that I tend to listen to when it comes to the actual breaking down of the game, not so much their opinions, but the X's and O's side of it. We, you know, we've talked about how Blake Corum just doesn't quite look right most of the year. He's, he, you know, and he hasn't been Blake Corum of last year. And they made a good point was you know he got hurt in November of last year with a torn meniscus and had surgery. Maybe he wasn't right. Maybe he wasn't 100% yet. But you know what we've noticed, like the Ohio State game, and then again in this Alabama game, the one thing that he's always been so dynamic with outside of his vision, which is amazing, is that jump cut. Yes. He has an amazing jump cut. The Ohio State touchdown after the Zach Zinner injury was a press-to-hole hard jump cut. The Alabama overtime touchdown, press-to-hole hard jump cut. Maybe he's finally starting to be the Blake Corum of old. And if that is the case, what you're saying could come to fruition. And I think if I'm a Washington fan, I'd be a little nervous about it. Speaking of jump cuts, check out a couple jump cuts that Bucky Irving, former gopher, had in that first contest. So you might you might be on to something right there. So don't get me wrong. There will be times where uh, Washington has success. Yeah, his think, name's Braylon Trice. Yep, and, and that kid and is a stud. Stud, <laughs> and it, it's like a different DB steps up in different spots. Like, I, there's no DB that doesn't get cooked. There's no DB that doesn't have the ability to go up and make a play, too. So, JJ, there yeah, are top multiple... DB is Jabbar Muhammad, who's been hurt for quite a while, but he did play a lot in that Texas game. So it sounds like he's back and healthy. So he's their top DB. He's the one that's talked about as like a third round ish pick in the NFL draft, but the other, and the other ones are just kind of guys as corners. They're not, they don't have that elite shutdown corner, but that Jabbar Muhammad is definitely the best of that group. Yes. And I, I believe first down is going to be gigantic for the Michigan offense. So is the goal for Washington to do whatever they can to get Michigan behind the chains. And then of course the fun part, does that open up big shots for Michigan? If that's the case, I, Already, I've already been excited. I'm getting even more excited just talking about it. Now we'll go to the part that will probably get the most TV airtime as we head through the weekend. The Washington offense versus this Michigan defense. To give you some numbers here real quick, the Washington offense, 7.25 yards per play. That's fifth in the country. 37.6 points per game. That is 10th. In the country, Michigan defense, 4.29 yards per play. That's fourth in the country. And at 10.2 points per game, that is first in the country. This is about as strength versus strength as you can get for a college football championship. Yeah, and it's been the talking point on every single show on every single network that everybody's talking about. It's 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 Penix and three off and three first to second round wide receivers 
versus Michigan and Will Johnson and the secondary and who who schemes the right guy open and does the right thing. That's what all the talking heads have been saying. This has been a tough defense to penetrate. Will Penix be the guy that finally gets it done? That's it. That's my you, one you, for you, the pod. You were you were dying for that one, weren't you? It just popped in my head, I swear. Well, so, I went first on the other side. Why don't you go first on this side? Okay. I tell you what. You go and you look at the to- all of Washington's season, and there were there were hiccups in the middle of the year where the offense wasn't excelling as we have seen it. Come to find out, that's because Jalen Polk, who is a big part of this offense, was out for a stretch of time. You know, it's it's just crazy, Jordan. Uh, uh, you look at this, there's weapons all over the place, right? There's weapons all over this place. Chris Fowler, he had, I got to give him a shout out. He had a great line during the Washington, the, the uh, initial Washington-Oregon matchup. He said they have a squadron of offensive weapons around Michael Penix, and that is the case. Rome, Rome Dudenze is the number one wide receiver. Jalen Polk. And uh, Jalen McMillan, Millen, so the two Jalens spelled completely different. Now, here's what they do. They put a Dunze on the outside, all right? And they say to the defense, we are running this amazing wide receiver down the field. Maybe he'll cut off and go towards the center of the field. But you are going to have to commit a cornerback and probably a safety, you know, shading over that way. If you do that, we're going to do fun little things with the two Jalens because they will mix around. One will be in the slot. One will be on the outside. They'll they'll put a, a trips formation out there. They do all kinds of fun stuff. But number one, they are always going to look at a Dunze to see if you got somebody over the top. What Penix is amazing at doing is quickly breaking down what the defense is trying to do, and he commits, man. That ball comes out. I swear there's times where he doesn't know he's going to do a back shoulder throw until he's about halfway through his windup and then puts it in a place that only a Dunze can get. Listen, I got I got mad respect for Will Johnson, okay? I think he's a great cornerback. I think he's going to be a better cornerback than he is right now. So don't leave him on an island consistently against a Dunze. That's not again, it's not a knock on Will Johnson. I'm not saying Will Johnson's not good. I'm saying a Dunze and Penix are that good. So that is what is going to be amazing right there. I know Penix in this passing attack is going to have success, but how much success will they have is going to be the huge part of of this side of the ball. So I agree. How much success they have is the biggest part of this entire game. Um, And to me, it comes down to two things. One, you talked about a platoon of weapons that they have out here. Well, they have hired gone that might be out of this game we don't yep. know the yep. health of dylan johnson and a lot of people talk about this for people, that, for people that don't know that is the running back dylan that, johnson that is that is the, the running back because if you look at their rushing numbers i did this is literally michigan of last year where blake quorum was just being run into the ground and then got hurt dylan johnson has almost the exact same amount of carries as what blake quorum had last year and now he he left the texas game in the fourth quarter, on the last drive, they say he's going to play. But I have a very – so gambling. We, we talk about gambling yep. all the time. There's something that I found today that was very interesting to me about this. ESPN Bet, which is one of 
the different places that you can go to. Used to be Barstool Sports, sold out, whatever, blah, blah, blah. They have player props for rushing totals for Blake Corum, for J.J. McCarthy, for Donovan Edwards. But they don't have a single rushing wow. total for wow. any Washington player other than Michael Penix. Wow. Why? Yeah, that's telling you something. It's interesting. It, it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily mean he's not playing. Right. It definitely means they have extreme concerned. question marks and concerned if right. he's playing. So and but but people so people listen to that and they say but well Washington these first flying wide receivers and Penix they want to throw the ball but no they yeah, establish have... this offense by being able to run the ball and force you to well options to that to give their receivers and that that offense. The space they want. They like to run the ball first if they can okay. to set up the um, pass. They are not strictly a throw it first offense. They're not strictly a throw it first offense. There are two ways to do this. You you run the ball to set up the pass or you pass the ball to set up the run. I, I believe they are a pass the ball to set up the run team because everybody that goes in to play Washington is thinking pass first. So they know that they've already sure. got their opponent in the spot they want. I'll even take it a step further with, with Dylan Johnson. I'm on the same page as you are I, I, to start foreshadowing Dylan Johnson health or just straight up inavailability in this game is playing into my thought process with it. He's not only their number one running back. He is their physicalness on this offense. He was the one that goal line. I mean, just goal line carries alone with him not being there is massive to what this that's a, and that's offense. a key point to where I was going to go next Huge. with this. So we talked about we talked about Penix and being so efficient and getting just knowing where to go with the ball. You know Jesse Minner is going to try to throw all kinds of different things at him to confuse him. So Michigan's got to get him off his spot. That Texas game, he was elite. Elite. I mean, his ball placement was incredible. It was on God. I, I don't I haven't seen a performance like that in college. Ball placement wise, I mean, these throws were just perfect. But if you look at it, Texas couldn't hit him. He's Penix has been the hardest QB to sack in all of college football this year, but Texas couldn't even hit him. They had zero, zero QB hits in that game. He never got hit once in that game. It's insane. That's crazy to think. I saw. I saw the no sack thing, and then I saw the no pressure thing, and I'm like, "Are are you kidding me?" And yes. part of that, some of that credit goes to DeBoer, some of that credit goes to Penix, some of that credit goes to the wide receivers because they get right. open. And I tell you what, it's the Joe Moore Award winning offensive line. It's been Michigan the previous two years. Don't tell me offensive line don't matter because Michigan's gone far the past two years. Washington has obviously gone far this year with that offensive line. So. Does but I I'll be honest with you I didn't dig you know I didn't look at every single snap of Washington M- my guess is Dylan Johnson also did blitz pickups a lot with him being a physical back you have to you have to assume right yep. so now Will Nixon is the guy in there not as many you know touches and carries can he pick up a blitz does he have the ability to keep parts of the Michigan defense off balance dude it's uh. It's I I I don't feel like I've seen people talk about this that much. They're they're saying that what they have to, meaning the Washington staff. I would say the same stuff if I was them. That he's going to play in the game. You have to make Michigan think. Oh yeah, he's going to play for it. And I will say it's, it's Blake Corum versus Ohio State last year. It's it's the exact same situation. It is now we find out whether or not he's really healthy or if it is Blake Corum. 
And Blake Corum did try to give it a go, right? Yeah. Even had a carrier too in that he game before carries. they. Yep. Um, so I will say I don't think it's as severe as Blake Corum's injury last year. This appears to be an ankle thing that he's essentially dealt with all year. He's not all the year. most. Yep. He is a north south runner. He is. He is not yeah. a. He's, he's not a, he's shifty a bruiser. Guy. He's yep. yeah. He's not the make you miss. He's a run your ass over type. So what I'm saying is typically with ankles, you're you're better straightforward than you are cutting. Now you're always going to cut a little bit as as a ball oh, yeah. carrier, but so I, I would give him a little bit better chance to play, but full ability. I guess we're talking too much out of it. Man, it's just such a huge part of this game, especially when you factor in around the goal line. Um, tight end Jack Westover, really good. Okay, really good tight end. We got two good tight ends here. But that's that. this is the game. It is going to be the most interesting thing I think Michigan gets to him. I think he gets they get to Penix, but not to the level that they got to, uh, oh, to no. Milrow. No, if they don't, if there are zero QB hits in this, I, I will make a prediction for you. If there are zero QB hits or pressures in this game, Michigan loses this game. Yes, I, yes, we have to make no the assumption chance, that's that's the case. There's yes. no chance, like what with what happened, it will be the exact same thing if you don't find a way to get pressure on him. Because so, that's how dialed in Penix and these receivers are. Yeah, you 100%. have to get yes. you have to get their timing off. I don't so, know. Yes. So 100%. to me, so. There's we talked I talked about Minter and mixing coverages and confusing him and just trying to buy your front an extra second to get home, trying to slow him down a beat. This offense, this this Washington offense with all these wide receivers and these running backs, they look eerily similar to a team that Michigan played last year. And that's that Ohio State offense from last year with an elite quarterback in C.J. Stroud and all kinds of wide receivers and an elite running back. And Michigan had a game plan for that. And it was nobody over the top of us. You can have all these yards in front of us. We're going to rally and tackle. And let's see if you can beat us inside the 20. And what we just talked about with Dylan Johnson is massive in that. Because I, you have to think they're going to come out with that exact same game plan. You're not getting over the top of us, Roma Dunze. I don't care how hard you try. You're going to have to win these these jump balls all day because we're not going to let you run by us. We're going to rally and tackle, which they've been very good at all year. And we're going to see if you can man up inside the 20, and we're going to see if that offensive line is really what it's built to be because we're going to make you win the game in there. Because I think Michigan wants this game to be a slugfest in the trenches. I have to think that's what this defense is going to do. It has to be the game plan. It is going to be Ben, but don't break, you know, a blitz here and there. And the blitz oh, yeah. will you, mostly... You've got to send some pressures, absolutely. Because the blitz will mostly be there to try to upset the timing. Because I don't care who you are, you have a less chance of, of getting a first down at third and ten than you do at third and three. Speaking of... Well, third, and, and they've done it all year. I mean, Jesse yep. Minner is an aggressive defensive coordinator. He does send pressures. It's just, where's it coming from? That's right. his thing. He tries to make you think where it's coming from, and it's actually coming from the other side. That's that's what he's looking to do. And then in this game, what's the success level? Because maybe the sack isn't exactly what you need, but getting, getting off the spot. You know, getting off the spot. And I'll say this too: I just said third and three. Speaking of third and threes, DeBoer, Penix, they're not they're not shy of throwing a thirty yard back shoulder throw 
on third and three. That's the that's the stuff they do. You you got to do some special stuff to have stats like they have, and that's what I've I've seen it all bunch of their games that that, that I watch. So yeah, there was a lot of criticism in that Texas game because they were still throwing the ball late in the game. People were like run the ball, it's their build DNA. the clock out. It's it's who they are. It's in their situation. DNA, especially with again. I feel like I'm saying it too much, but with Johnson's being banged up, it is it's so big for this offense because they they rely on him in such key spots. It's your squad. I'm going to let you take it home. So I'm going to go first here. All right. I I didn't think you would get me off my point, and you did not. I'm I'm sticking to exactly what I had written on my pad for three, four, five hours. Now, I'm assuming a few things here, okay? I'm assuming your special teams are not going to happen. <laughs> we didn't really even talk about that. Yeah, that. Well, that can't be that again. Can't, right? can't, like, like, I, I'm not expecting world-class place kicking and punting. I'm expecting maybe we'll just field some punts. Okay. Fair catch some punts. Okay. I, make, I'm not hundred percent. Make a field goal. Yeah. And, and, and making a field goal deep, better punting. Okay. These are the things I'm expecting. So not, not, like I said, world-class special teams, decent to good special teams. I'm expecting JJ to have one silly play and that's it. Maybe one and a half. Okay. You know, but, but not two and definitely not three or four. Cause that's going to swing things as well. I, I think the biggest fear as a Michigan fan is what happened to Oregon in the PAC 12 championship, which was Washington getting out to a big time start, big time lead and Michigan have to catch up. I don't think we're going to have that. I, I I do think there will be success early, and then I think Michigan will constrict and do what they've done. They trust in themselves. They trust in their personnel. The, per, the players trust what the coaches are doing, and they're going to stick to it and just beat Washington. And I think they will cover the spread while beating Washington. I've got Michigan 34, Washington 24. That's a 10 point lead, just under a touchdown cover. And at 58 points, I've got that going over the game total. And, and wow. I want to add, I think the fact that the game total is somewhat high is a, uh, I, I think that's a little bit of a nod wink that Vegas thinks this is going over and that they expect points in this game. Yeah. I don't have an Amador double barrel lock of the week, but if I did, I, I would, I would choose the over in this game. You you surprised me a little bit there. Ten yeah. ten is that that's big. Um, surprisingly, I'm going to be the more pessimistic of the two of us here. Um, I agree a lot with what you said. I'm no surprise to anybody. I'll get it out of the way early. I think Michigan wins the game. We'll 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 go there first. Um, I do think that this game more than any game that we've seen matters. The, the game script and the game flow matters so much in how this game plays out because you have a Michigan team that would love to run the ball 50 times in this game and just boa constrictor the hell out of this game. And you have a Washington offense that wants to high fly and score a whole bunch of points, which nobody's been able to do against Michigan yet. So when I think about all that, and I think about, the defense being as good as it's been and the offense wanting to run the ball as much as they do for Michigan. I have to lean to the fact that that's going to play in Michigan's favor because again, Dylan Johnson being out, Michigan's going 
to play the safe defensive strategy and not let you hit home runs and make you beat them, which elongates the game a little bit. So I, I, I'm with you where I think the over is the smarter play here. And if I had a lock of the week, it would be the over. I'm just barely over that right now. I have Michigan 31, Washington 25. I do think this has a tendency to go to the over because of the possibility, like you said, of Washington getting out early, getting a touchdown or two early, and then Michigan working their way back. But at the end of the day, I think the more complete team, the all 22 complete team is Michigan. And I think, again, it's the defense for Michigan that wins this game versus the offense. But I do think that Blake Corum ends up being the MVP of this game. Yeah, I don't think we're saying too much. I just have a little bit more faith, I think, just a teeny tiny bit more faith in Michigan's offense in this because because you have 25 points. I, I have 24, you know, for Washington. So we're, we're a point away from there, and I just have a couple more points for Michigan's offense. So I, I, I would go so far as to say if uh, unless Washington forces turnovers, again, like, I'm going yeah, if we get the, dumb if we get dumb JJ this game gets squirrely fast really quick really quick uh th- I mean that is my number one two and three thing that's m- m- getting me butt clenchy if I'm a Michigan fan is how JJ I, I, I think this game be. has a this game has a much higher chance of going way over versus way under yes like which I is, don't see I don't see which, any situation which is why you take the over like, you know which yeah, is I don't why see you take any the over. situation where this game's in like 46 well, to 48 like I just don't see it there's yeah, I mean, in, too many points. right. I mean, injuries or turnovers, oh, sure. yeah, you know, I mean, like, the, the like, drastic, the, sure. yeah, right. That, but, but that would be, I, I mean, I suppose there is a chance one of the, the game scripts would be, you know, 30 to 17, uh, Michigan, something like that, that I guess, where, yeah. where we walk away going, holy shit, Michigan's defense just beat the hell out of clamp that, right. that, that is the one game script that keeps it under I just think there's too many weapons on there Washington. Is. I there's think just they're going to get a few. They're going to get just, a few. I, I just I watch these Washington games. I'm like, they always figure out a place to to go with the ball. And, well, and, and Kalen DeBoer. We, we, we sung Kalen DeBoer's praises. The dude is yep. he's a genius when it comes to offensive play calling. So, Oh, man. I'm giddy. First time, dude, uh, that we've ever been able to record a college football playoff championship game that the Big Ten is a part of. On this podcast, uh, 2014, when Ohio State was in it, we weren't recording then. Um, unless I'm mistaken, didn't uh, I could be wrong actually? Didn't Ohio State play Alabama in the national championship? I think I was, I think we covered that. I might be eating my words there. Well, I will say it's the first time we've ever covered this game with a fan of the team on the podcast. So I, I know I at least got that part right. So, um, well, hey, that just means I got to stick around, right? If, if we're going to keep winning national championships, I ain't going anywhere. You ain't, you're not allowed to kick me off at this point. So, Jordan, I'd like to keep you around, but I can assure you that situation right there would not be one of the chief reasons uh, that you would stick with the, the Eyes on Big podcast. Let me let me say, I'm, I'm, obviously, I'm having fun with you. You uh, on Monday night. So last time you watched the game. Sunday night, kids are in bed. <laughs> you had to to be excitable, yet uh, quiet because kids are sleeping. Now this game starts, at, you know, six thirty or seven thirty. But it's, but it's seven thirty here. So your kids are in bed the whole game with this. Essentially, is there is there any thought to finding a different venue to watch the game, or it, it's home? It, it, Do you it, understand the superstition? The co- yeah. I will wear the same shirt, the same pants, the same socks, the same. <laughs> The same right. spot. 
for this game. I, it can't happen. I will scream into about, a pillow and run outside to yell if I have to. The superstition runs too deep. I cannot. It will be in the same spot. I got, how, how about I got offered to go to a party, and I said, thanks. No, thank you. Yep. No, thanks. Can't do it. How about uh, how about this? Let me throw this out. Yeah, you win. Maybe it's even a last second play, something like that. Don't you take the kids out of bed and wake them up? Because this is one of the few times in life where you just say, screw it. There's plenty of the rest of your life to sleep. I'm, I'm going to share this moment with my entire family. Especially so, the especially the zygote. He's not going to know any difference. You can just pull him out. Well, so my daughter was still awake when okay. when the Alabama thing happened, and she came out, and we had a little bit of a moment. But my son right now at nine months old is cutting teeth. So when he's sleeping, he's down. you're scared as hell to like wake about, him up because you might not get him back to sleep. So I might wake my daughter up. Okay. But. How about just like a, a selfie with with the little guy I could do sleeping. that. Yeah, I could probably I could, do that. I think you should do that. Yeah, yeah I think. we could probably we could probably make that happen. But I'm I'm afraid to wake him up because when he wakes up, he's pissed. Yeah, he's mean. He's mean. I understand mean. how that goes. All right, sure. there you go, man. It, it's always it's always fun for me to when when a diehard has it's a huge sports moment. Um, I can think of you know like Iowa Big Ten championships. I'm a Cubs fan. All right, World Series when they're in the World Series. Kind of the same situation. It's it's always kind of a fun part. Of Unfortunately, as a Tigers fan, my last two World Series trips have been major disappointments. So <laughs> Ooh, against against my Cubs, not right? Was were we playing? No, we didn't. No, we were. Oh, Cardinals, the Indian, the Indian, Cardinals, Cardinals, Giants. So you faced the yep. Indian. Guardians now. Oh yeah. All right, man. I think that's it. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I am Jordan. Don't forget to ask for Amador. And just this one time, I gotta say, go blue. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We will talk to you soon.